Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we will be discussing the Atlanta Hawks as they fall in six games to the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. And we will also be focusing on the Atlanta Braves, who had a solid week last week, but uh, got off to a rough start on Monday this week. But before that, we will start with the Hawks, um, who, when we left off last time, were down 2-1 to the Bucks, which in itself was pretty bad, but um, it was even worse because Trey Young went down with a brown booze in his right foot after stepping on an official's foot uh, in Game Three. So it was um, his status was uh, much much of the discussion going into Game Four, and it turns out that he would not play in Game Four, and Lou Williams would get the start over him, um, as the Hawks faced an essential must-win game. Um, it wasn't a elimination game, but if the Hawks went down 3-1, the series was effectively over if they did not win Game 4. Uh, but they did. They did win Game 4. They won 110-88, to a blowout victory without Trey Young. Um, and uh, it was a really just a dream game for Hawks fans, um, for how this game could go without Trey. It, everything essentially went perfect for the Hawks. Um, Lou Williams got the start, like I said, and he was awesome. Uh, 21 points on 7 of 9 shooting. Uh, he was perfect in the first half from the floor, didn't miss a shot. Uh, he had 8 assists, he had 5 rebounds. He was um, as good as you could expect him to be. He was really, really good and um, came up huge for the Hawks. Uh, another guy with a great performance was Bogey. Uh, he had 20 points on 7 of 19 shooting. Uh, he went 6 of 14 from 3 with some huge threes in the third quarter that really broke the game open. He was great. Herder was great, 15 points, 7 assists, 7 of 15 shooting. Didn't have the three ball going, but had the mid-rangers going really well for him. Uh, Gala was good off the bench. Cam Reddish had some big minutes for him off the bench, 12 points on 5 of 9 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3 points. Uh, so he was really good. One of the no-shows really from the starters was John Collins, but it didn't matter because, like I said, the Hawks blew out the Bucks in this one. Uh, on the Bucks side, Giannis did go down with a hyper-extended knee in uh, in the third quarter of this game. Um, he had, he did not return to play in any of the other games in this series, and he um, is still doubtful for the finals against the Suns, actually. So he had a pretty serious injury. He wasn't very good before that, but he was starting to find his uh, find his groove early in the third before he got hurt. But after um, after Giannis got hurt, it was the blows just got do- the do- doors just got blown off of the game. I don't know why I couldn't say that. The doors got blown off. Um, the Hawks went on a uh, 12-0 run to, uh, right after Giannis went down. Um, I think it was a 15-2 total run because they did hit a one bucket right after he went down, but. Yeah, the Hawks just took that little that little uh, advantage that they were given and just ran with it and ran away with the game. Uh, yeah, they won by 22. It was honestly a little bit worse than that. The Hawks led by more than 22 at some points. A lot of garbage time in this one. But, um, yeah, just a dream game for Hawks fans. It was not the Giannis stuff, just how the, the Hawks played, how Lou played, Bogey, Cam, all that stuff. That was just really, really exactly what the Hawks needed, and that's exactly what they got. Um, we'll move on to game game five now, which was less fun. Uh, Hawks lose one twenty three to one twelve. Um, you know Giannis was out for this game, like I said. Trey also out in this one, so both superstars for both teams were out. And um, Lou Williams didn't have the same 
same game that he had in game four. We'll say that. He was still okay, 17 points on 8 of 15 shooting. Um, Bogey was the real go-to guy in this one. He had 28 points, 10 of 22 from the field, 7 of 16 from three. So he was really solid in this one, probably one of his best games of the whole playoffs, honestly. He was really good. Gallo had some big minutes off the bench, 19 points. Um, 19 for Collins as well, so he was good. But Capella wasn't great. Only six points and eight rebounds, only 21 minutes too. Uh, he was just really getting dominated by Brooke Lopez in this one, so I don't know if that had anything to do with his minutes or what was going on. He also did get hit in the eye in game uh, game four in garbage time. He shouldn't have even been out there, but he did get hit in the eye and was questionable for this game, ended up playing. Um, but I don't know. There's a, that's not really a thing you put a match restriction on. It's just an eye injury. So I don't, I don't know if that played into his lack of minutes or what, but um, just a, a bit weird, something I thought I'd point out. Um, but uh, you'll move on to the Bucks, and the Bucks they kind of had the same game the Hawks had in game four. Uh, their superstar goes out, and then everything just goes perfect for them. Um, and that's kind of what happened for the Bucks. We'll start with Brooke Lopez, who was Shaq in this game. Um, not even kidding. He was incredible. 33 points, 7 rebounds, 14 of 18. Um, shooting, he went over two from three, but he just dominated the paint the whole game. Um, he was getting lobs left and right, just getting to the rim at will, doing whatever he wanted. Um, so, yeah, he wasn't the only one though. Chris Middleton had 26 points on 13 rebounds and eight assists, 10 of 20 shooting. He was really good. Bobby Portis, who started in place of Giannis, had 22 points and eight rebounds. He was good. And then Drew Holiday had 25 points, 13 assists, and six rebounds. So it was really just those four guys. Uh, the rest of the Bucks combined for 17 points. Yeah, this. Oh, the only other players that scored were Tucker had five, uh, Pat Connaughton had nine, and Brent Forbes had three. So, yeah, combined combined that for uh, a very a lack of lack of anything else from from the Bucks, but that's all they needed um, as they win 123 to 112 to go up 3-2 and force a game six. Uh, game six, no Trey and no Giannis again. And uh, the Hawks really, really had a, a rough, sluggish start early in this one. Um, but they do make their way back. They only trailed by four at the halftime, which was a huge win because of they played pretty rough in the first. Uh, but, uh, yeah, pretty rough defensive or offensive first half, rather, uh, for both teams. Um, second quarter was 19-19. to I'll show you how bad the offense was. Um, but that didn't last for long because in the third, the Bucks just blew the doors off of the Hawks. They outscored the Hawks 44-29 to in the third quarter. And, um, you know, the Hawks were trailing pretty big. They were down 19 heading into the fourth. They did make their way into this game a little bit in the fourth quarter. They had some runs. Uh, wasn't enough. They ended up losing by 11. But they got the lead down to as, as few as um, six, I believe. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty rough game all around. But they did show some life towards the end of the game and that was a and that was mostly in part of cam reddish who was incredible um he had 21 points on six of seven shooting from three so he was just kind of unconscious from three point point land in this one um three rounds three assists 29 minutes um he was he kept the hawks in the game if if um cam reddish wasn't wasn't playing the hawks get absolutely beat down and this this game wasn't even um, fun at all in the fourth quarter because the hawks were threatening at, at some points um, but yeah, huge shout out to Cam because he was when he got to play in this series, he was awesome. And um, not being a, not being not being able to play for four months and then getting thrown into the Eastern Conference Finals, um, I couldn't imagine. Um, 
so it's really tall task that he had and he delivered um, more than expected he was awesome especially in game six but it wasn't enough the Hawks drop it 118 to 107 that ends the season um, Trey Young did play in this game um, I didn't mention that before because he was just a non-factor honestly um, had 14 points and nine assists but four of 17 from the field 0 of six from three um, he he just wasn't himself. He was obviously still very injured. Um, he, he, you could just tell he played because it was an elimination game, and that was the only reason why he played. Um, if this was the regular season, Trey would probably be out for another week or two with this injury. Um, it's he, he played just to play, and um, you know I, I respect him for that, and I knew that was going to be the case with him this entire time. If he could play, if there's any feasible way he could play, he was going to do it, um, and he did. And um, he wasn't he wasn't great, wasn't himself, but. Still, 14 points, 9 assists, not horrible. Um, the 9 assists still really helped. He found Cam for some open looks, found Bogey a few times. Um, I thought I thought that his passing was still pretty solid, but he really just didn't have um, any anything going scoring-wise in this one. Um, I'll move on to Bogey now. He had 20 points on 7 of 12 shooting. Um, just took five threes, made two of them. Uh, solid game, 20 points. Uh, second in scoring behind Cam, who had 21. So he was solid. Uh, Capella was all right, not 14 points, 9 rebounds. Collins had 13 points and 11 rebounds. Um, uh, Gallinari had 13 points off the bench. He was a he was the spark off the bench like he usually is. He had some big buckets in the first half to keep the Hawks in it. Um, he finished with 13 points, like I said. Um, and that's pretty much it from all the Hawks, guys. It was, uh, and this one, it was Chris Milton again. Um, very similar to his uh, Game 3 outburst. He went crazy in the third quarter. I believe he had 20 points in the third quarter. He finished with 32 points. He was uh, he led all scores with that. He was very good again. Um, Brooke Lopez was a little a little more tame in this one. 13 points, um, six rebounds. Um, Drew Holiday had a really good game. 27 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Really solid game from Drew Holiday. He is very very good. He had a very good series against the Hawks. Um, 11 to 23 shooting for him. Made four threes. Just really good. Um, and that's about it for the the big time performers. Um, I want to mention one thing about the Hawks. They they deployed Jeff Teague again in this, which um, I think is an advantage for the Hawks or was an advantage for the Hawks. But um, Teague was actually really solid. Um, three for three from three, eleven points. Three of five from the field goals. He had uh, he had an assist in um, twelve minutes. Um, just a former Hawk, just giving them some issues, um, making all three of the threes he taken. He was wide open for um, I believe two of the three. But still, he, he had been really rough in this series, and um, he kind of came through for them in Game 6. I just want to mention Jeff Teague. I love Jeff Teague, but he had not been good in this series. But he did come through in Game 6, so best of luck to Jeff in the finals. Um, but, yeah, that'll do it for all the game action. Um, Hawks lose 4-2 to in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, now I'll get into some broad takeaway kind of things now. Uh, this Hawks team got way farther than anyone expected them to. They exceeded all expectations um, tenfold. They were, no one expected, a lot of people didn't expect them to beat the Knicks in the first round, and they handled the Knicks. And then when we got to Philadelphia, no one thought we were going to beat the Sixers. We beat the Sixers in seven. And then when we got to the Bucks series, there were some people that started to believe, but most people probably predicted this series right, Bucks and six, probably some Bucks and sevens out there. Um, but the, the the path of the Bucks winning the series was very odd, I would say, with um, Giannis and Trey being hurt. Um, just a very weird series all around because of those two injuries, really. Um, 
you know, it, it, it does, and I, I know it, it sucks saying, you know, the Hawks got really far and the seem exceed expectations. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But um, I, I do get the uh, the sour taste in your mouth of how things kind of went down the series with the Trey injury. It's a brutal way for things to kind of end, I guess you could say. Um, stepping on a rest foot and getting hurt and not playing two of the games, two of the final three games, and then playing in the final game but just not being yourself at all. It's got to suck for Trey. It's going to suck for Hawks fans. I get it. I feel the same way. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't know what happens if Trey's 100%. Do they win, go to the finals? Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to predict those kind of things. But, you know, Giannis was also hurt, and the Bucks just seemed to turn it on um, when Giannis was out. And they seemed like they seemed to play better without Giannis. I know that's not the case, but games five and six, the Bucks were just firing on all cylinders without their best player. So something something to look at if you're um, going to be observing the finals. I get it if you're not going to. But, um, yeah, he's he's doubtful for game one right now against the Suns, so that should be pretty interesting how that's going to play out. Um, but um, some positives from this whole playoff run. Um, obviously, Trey Young was incredible this this entire playoff run. Um, you know, everything, it's, it's well documented, the injury stuff, but you don't really, don't really have to just go in too deep in discussing him. Everybody knows how awesome he is and how good he was in these playoffs. Um, I'm talking about Kevin Herter. He had some down games for sure in this playoffs, but um, he also had some incredible games. Uh, game seven against the Sixers comes to mind when he carried the Hawks. He had 27 points, had a game of his life in game seven. Um, so that was huge for us and a huge game for Kevin. A lot of other huge games for him. I thought he was very impressive and really took a step up in the playoffs. I thought he was really good. Uh, I'll talk about Cam Reddish now, um, who didn't play until game starting game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, but he he had a really good series. Um, now, didn't play in game three after playing in game two, but played in game four, games four, five, and six, and um, he was really good in games four and, f- four and six in particular. He was awesome. Um, getting after it on defense, using all that length he has to his advantage, um, just really getting after on the defensive end and then hitting down a lot of threes um, on the offensive end. You know, that's his one question mark in his game is his um, offense, and he came through offensively more than you could expect, um, even from like a regular Cam Reddish. But this is Cam Reddish coming off of a four-month injury, and he was just awesome. It's like he didn't miss a step. So really happy to see Cam succeed in these playoffs. And um, another thing that hasn't really gotten mentioned much on here is that the Hawks were without DeAndre Hunter for the past two series, who that, that was a huge loss. It, it really can't um, overstate enough. Defensively, um, his presence was really missed really until Cam came back and kind of filled his shoes defensively in this series. Um, but also offensively, he had some really good games in that in the New York series. Um, you know, Hawks lost their best wing and one of their best wings, rather. I don't want to say he's the best, but he's up. He's is debatable, but they lost him, and they still get pretty far without him. And he'll be back next year. You know, every team's gonna have some injury stuff, but losing DeAndre Hunter was not a small thing to be sure for the Hawks. Uh, so yeah, that's about it for my broad takeaways from this playoff run. Um, one more thing is the, the Hawks team was 14 and 20 when Nick McMillan took over. Uh, this will segue, segue me into the Nick McMillan um, extension, uh, but they were 14 and 20 when he took over, and um, they were 11th in the East, I believe. Just, just an afterthought. No one, no one thought that they were going to make the playoffs. Maybe some people thought they could sneak into the play-in tournament, but no one thought they were going to get all the way to the five seed. Um, no one thought they were going to go all the way to Eastern Conference Finals. 
and losing six games to the Bucks. No one thought that. If you had told um, anyone that on March 6th when he got hired and Pierce got fired, um, everybody would have told you you're crazy. This this team exceeded expectations so much under McMillan, and um, that is why he earned a four-year extension yesterday. Um, first reported by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Um, four-year extension. Travis Schlink said that um, he decided to decided to offer the extension after the the series went against Philadelphia. Um, so it was it was kind of a no-brainer. Even if we probably would have lost to Philadelphia, he was going to come back. But um, yeah, that's that's when Travis Schlink said that it was officially um, offered to McMillan after we beat the Sixers in seven games. But um, yeah, it it was it was really a no-brainer to bring him back um, with how good the team performed under him and how much the players seem to love him. And um, oh, this is a little bit off topic, but I guess it's some um, breaking news ahead of this is non-hawk stuff. Probably shouldn't be reporting this or whatever, but Giannis is now listed as questionable for game one of the finals. I know no one probably cares about that, but I just had to mention that real quick. Anyway, uh, Nate McMillan, yeah, it was it was a no-brainer for the Hawks to bring him back. Um, Four-year deal, all, it all adds up. Um, you know, players seem to love him. Uh, there was also some stuff came out about Cam Reddish, how he felt kind of bullied um, behind the scenes by Lloyd Pierce. I don't know, I don't know how much of that is true or um, was taken out of context or whatever, but it just... You know, when Lloyd Pierce was the head coach, like I, I didn't agree with everything he did, rotation stuff, all that, but it just kind of appears that, I don't want to say he was a cancer, but I mean, it kind of appears that way of just how this team did a 180 after he left. It's kind of telling, um, I'll say that, but yeah, that, that um, yeah, that's, that's all I'll say about the uh, Lloyd Pierce stuff, but I'm happy for Nate McMillan, um, well-deserved extension. He's been coaching for a long time. Just got his first playoff series win this year with the Hawks. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with the decision, and I'm, I'm really excited for next year and what this team is going to bring. Um, there will be some more Hawks talk um, in the offseason. Not not as much, obviously, now that the, the games are over. But there is a lot of talk about in the coming offseason. The draft is won't be as much of an interest for Hawks fans since they're not a lottery team anymore. They're picking 20th this year. But I'll do some discussions on that, um, see if there's – see possible prospects we could be getting if there's any trades we could be making um stuff of that nature and then we'll have all the free agency stuff um one big topic is going to be john collins i'll know that for sure and um that, that'll probably be around august um when the when free agency will begin um he is a restricted free agent right now so um it'll be um, of much interest to see what kind of offers he gets and if the hawks would like to match them um um, Lou Williams will also be a topic if the Hawks don't bring him back. He did say he, he might come back for another year. So we'll see if the Hawks bring him back or if the Hawks need to replace him. So that'll be the stuff that'll be in store for the free agency um, episodes of this podcast. So that'll be something to look forward to. But that'll do it for the Hawks talk. Um, great season for the Hawks, but we will now move on to the Braves. And it's going to be a lot of Braves in this podcast um, for, for a couple months here. They'll be the only team playing um, until – the the Falcons start back up in September. Um, but we will start with the Braves, and they started this week with a huge three-game series against the Mets at home, and they took two out of three from the Mets. Um, they lost game one, four to three. Pretty brutal loss. Uh, Charlie Morton gave up a, a three-run homer to James McCann. 
which uh, gave the Mets the lead. The Braves led three to nothing in this game and then lost four to three. Um, McCann tied the game to three on homer. Lindor had a single to make it four to three, and the Braves lose four to three. Move on to game two, and um, you know the offense had kind of been sputtering up until game two, but the Braves broke out in a huge way. They went twenty to two in in this one. Uh, they actually trailed in the top of the first inning two nothing. So the Braves go twenty unanswered against the Mets. Um, Ozzy Albies had a huge game. He went five for six with seven RBIs and two homers. That that's a that's a crazy game. He was awesome. Um, Ronald Acuna homered in this one too. That was his only hit. Um, Ozzy made him look like kind of a scrub there, to be honest with you. But um, no, I'm just kidding. Ozzy had a great game. Freed pitch. He was good. Five innings pitch. Two run runs. Solid outing for him. He had seven punchies. He was really good. Yeah, and Braves went 20 to two. Not a lot to talk about with that one because it was just a blowout of epic proportions. Um, second time this year, actually, the Braves have scored 20 runs in a game, which is just so they're so weird. They do the weirdest things. Um, and they also win game three to take the series four to three. Uh, Jacob Degrom started this game actually. And the Braves got him, got after him early. Um, Austin Riley hit a three-run homer in the first inning to make it three nothing. Um, the Mets did score one in the top that made it three to one. Uh, the Mets did come back to tie the game on two homers from Dom Smith to make it three three. But Freddie Freeman with a walk-off infield hit in the ninth. It was a rocket right back up the middle off of Seth Lugo's foot, and um, that brought home the game-winning run with the bases loaded. And the Braves get a huge series win over the Mets. Uh, they win 4-3. to three. And we'll move on to the Marlins series, um, where the Braves take game one, one to nothing. And the way the first run and only run of this game was scored was because Ronald Acuna Jr. gets hit by the first pitch of the game by Pablo Lopez. And he later come around to score on a sack fly from Ozzy Albies. But after the one pitch Lopez threw, he was ejected from the game. And he gets slapped with the loss, which is just hilarious. He His final line, zero innings pitch, zero hits, one earned run, and the L for Pablo. Um, yeah, he got ejected after throwing one pitch. Um, you know, there's a very documented history between the Marlins and Acuna. Um, the Jose Arrania stuff um, in 2018, which got Arrania ejected on the first pitch of the game, actually, too. But that was a little more obvious because he literally told people that he was going to hit Ronald before the game. Uh, you got the Sandy Alcantara stuff from the playoffs last year where he hit Ronald after Ronald backflipped a homer off of him and he challenged Ronald to a fight after the game in the playoffs. So it really just shows you where the Marlins' morals lie. Um, you know, a lot of people, it was up for debate as if he hit him on purpose or not. I still don't know for sure. It might have been. It really might have been. But there's a there's a world where it wasn't. Um, no one's going to really ever know. The Marlins are going to deny it, deny it, deny it. Um, I think it's about 50-50, really. But even if it wasn't on purpose, the Marlins just can't keep getting away with this. You know, this had to be done. Um, I think ejecting him was the right move. I, I, I think people, even some Braves fans, dis disagree with the ejection. But it's, it's getting just kind of out of hand. The Braves, it's the first pitch of the game, and... You know, if the if the umpires give out warnings like they would usually do in a situation like this, then the Braves like then you're putting at the Braves at a disadvantage because now they can no longer pitch in. If they accidentally hit somebody, one of their their pitch their starting pitcher is going to get ejected from the game. So it's really it, it really was a, just kind of nip it in the bud kind of thing by ejecting Pablo Lopez. 
Um, I get why some people thought that it was a bit excessive. I do, but, and, uh, and you know, um, Joe West actually talked to uh, Chip Carey and Tom Glavin and told them that the, the umpires were given instructions to eject a pitcher, the Apollo Lopez, if this happened. So I guess there was some inkling of this happening, which might um, lend to the theory that this was on this was intentional. But I don't know. Um, it's really just a bizarre thing. That run, like I said, did come around to score. Ronald score, and that was the only run of the game. Braves win one to nothing in game one, which I thought is quite hilarious. That <laughs> that's how the Braves won this game. Um, Drew Smiley pitched, and he was awesome. Um, another really good start for him. Um, he went, let me pull it up, he went five and two-thirds, zero earned runs, seven strikeouts. A really good outing for Drew. He's been really good as of late. Uh, we'll move on to game three of this series, and the Braves drop it three to two. Um, just not much offense. The Braves can get much offense going in this one. Sandy Alcantara was pitching. He was really solid. Uh, Kyle Muller got the start. He was good. Not as good as he has been, but still he was fine. Five and two-thirds innings. Uh, three earned runs. He did walk four, which is a, a, a bit much. You got to get that down, but still a fine outing. You know, you take that from a rookie pitcher, but Alcantara was good. Six innings pitch, gave up a run, but it wasn't earned. Um, yeah, Ozzy had, Ozzy had an RBI hit. Um, Freeman had an RBI hit, but that's all the Braves got. They lose 3-2. And now we move on to the Madness, which was Sunday's game. Um, Braves win 8-7. to seven. But uh, it was it was not as easy as it sound as it sounded. Um, the Braves trailed seven to three heading into the ninth inning. Um, but they they did they did start the game with the lead um, in the bottom of the third. Ron Acuna Jr. hit a two run home wreck at two nothing. Um, but the Marlins would storm back. They made, they led four to two in this game. Um, Dansby made it four to three with a double. But then the Marlins just added on the top of the ninth. Sandy Leon hit a home make it five to three, and then Aguilar hit a home make it seven to three. So that leads us to the ninth inning. Um, in the ninth, Orlando Arcia, who made his Braves debut in this game, he had an RBI single to make it seven to four, and then Abraham Almonte with a bases loaded double scores two runs to make it seven to six. So that brings up Ronald Acuna with a chance to win it. He hits a sack fly that scores Ender, and the Braves tie the game at seven. That brings us into extra innings, where Will Smith worked a clean top of the 10th, um, even with the runner placed on second, no runs scored. And that brings us into the bottom of the 10th, where Austin Riley was placed on second. Uh, they, didn't, they, didn't, they then intentionally walked Dansby uh, to set up a double play, and then Heredia flies out. Then they intentionally walk, intentionally walk Arcia after Riley moves to third on the Heredia flyout. And then there was a wild pitch um, where Riley tries to score from home. He was originally called safe on the field. The, it would have been a walk-off, but they call Riley out on the replay because his foot went over home plate, um, very Alec Bohm-esque, but the Braves are on the wrong end of this challenge once again. Uh, they, and then Kevin Smith was at the play during that bat. They intentionally walk him to load the bases, and they'll bring up the pitcher spot where the Braves are out of position players. <laughs> so they bring in Max Free to pinch hit, and he hits a laser beam single up the middle to win the game. And the Braves walk it off 8-7, to seven, boogity, boogity, boogity. They take three out of four from the fish. Or th two out of three from the fish, rather. Sorry about that. So a huge week for the Braves. They go 4-2 and two on the week. Uh... Big win right there because 
four and two and the difference between four and two and three and three right there is massive, especially for a team that's trying to claw their way back into a playoff picture. But yeah, just a huge um, momentum booster of a win, and um, they just kind of reverse all of that the very next night. Um, last night, Monday night, they lose eleven to one to the Pirates, who are a last place team. Um, they got off to a one to nothing lead in this game, and then the Pirates go eleven unanswered. Ben Gamble hit two homers, like just you know, just infuriating stuff. Max Freed got the ball after hitting his walk off, and he did not pitch well at all. Five innings pitch, six earned runs. Um, yeah, not good, not good stuff from him at all. Off, Braves offense left guys all over the base paths. Nineteen runners left on base in this one. Um, not not that all of them would have mattered if they scored because they lost by ten, but still. You know, after I right, why would you think the Braves are getting it going and about to make a push? They just go and lay an egg like this. Just pretty annoying stuff. Um, but still, you still got two games with the Pirates. You got to win these next two. You cannot lose a series to the Pirates. So kind of put some pressure on yourself to win two games in a row. But you still need to get that done. Um, they will wrap up the week by playing the Marlins again in Miami. So that'll wrap up the first half of the season and um, bring bring us into the all-star break. So got five games left. You need to go three and two um, in these in these um, next five games, and that'll put you at 500. Or no, it'll, it'll put you at a game under 500 going into the break. So, yeah, you need you need to probably get to 500 before the all-star break. So that means you're going to lose one more of these games. So that's uh, – that's a four-in-one stretch, and the Braves can do that. Uh, it's just the Pirates and the Marlins that just beat the Marlins, and they can beat the Pirates. They beat them earlier this year in Atlanta. They actually scored 20 runs against, and that was the only 20. That was the other 20-run game that the Braves had this year was against the Pirates. So they're very capable of beating this team, and I uh, I believe that they'll win these next two games. Hopefully, I'm right, and um, hopefully we'll go and beat the Marlins on the road too, and um, go into the All-Star break with some momentum. So something to look out for with the Braves, and there'll be a lot of Braves talk on this podcast from here on out now that the Hawks have been eliminated. So uh, be ready for that. And um, that will do it for this episode. I uh, thank you all for listening. Um, made it this far. Really appreciate it. Um, new episode will be on next Monday. Hopefully the Braves are in a good spot heading into the All-Star break. Um, and I will see you then. Thank you. Thank you.